the assassin. You know I break necks, call me Jack Tate. I have no regrets while your life is fading. I'm a crazy fuck equivalent to Satan. When I'm behind the mic, I feel like the greatest. You know I break necks, call me Jack Tate. I have no regrets while your life is fading. I'm a crazy fuck equivalent to Satan. When I'm behind the mic, I feel like the greatest. What up, y'all? You're listening to Sports Talk with Trop, and I'm your host, Katie Trop. Well, it's championship weekend, y'all. We are going to know by the end of this weekend who is headed to Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. And we have uh, some good matchups. So let's go ahead and start off with uh, the AFC Conference Championship. Uh, That's going to be the first game on Sunday. It's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs at the Baltimore Ravens. Right now, the Ravens are a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. And, uh, I mean, the Chiefs have not been good all season long. They haven't been the typical Chiefs that we're used to. They've been terrible in the red zone. They've had nothing but drop passes. But their defense has been solid from start to finish. And then, of course, Mahomes has done what Mahomes do. Uh, But uh, throughout the playoffs, the Chiefs are doing what they do, and that is keep on winning. They they know how to win when they get here. And uh, so I'm not really that shocked that they're here in the AFC Championship game. Uh, then you have the Baltimore Ravens, who, in my opinion, uh, basically since uh, the after the first month of football, I pretty much looked at the Ravens as the best team in football just because Lamar Jackson, he's really turned his game around. He's just improved um, and taken his game to another level where he's just absolutely dominating the pocket and then just choo- picking and choosing when he runs. He has not taken that, uh, that running game out of his... Um, out of his rep- repertoire of plays, but he's now just very picky and choosy with it. He tends to stay in the pocket, make the passes instead, but then when he's on the run, he is on the run. So uh, the Ravens on the offensive side of the ball look really good, but defense is where it is at. This Baltimore Ravens defense is the best in the league. They are fast. They lead the league in sacks and pretty much have led the league in sacks all season long. They can force turnovers and they are just a nightmare for any and all quarterbacks. So this is going to be the clash of the Titans because like I said, Mahomes has carried this Kansas City Chiefs team all season, but most certainly through these playoffs. And the same with this Ravens defense. So we're going to see who who is the better of the two right now. And I feel like the Ravens, They haven't had as many issues as the Chiefs had, and uh, usually that rears its ugly head around playoff times. And uh, even though the Chiefs know how to win, I think the Ravens' defense is going to be able to contain Patrick Mahomes as best they can. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they get a turnover or two. I wouldn't be shocked if they really just make it a really bad day for Mahomes. And uh, I feel like they're just going to make the big plays on defense. And then once their offense gets the ball, it's going to be lights out. I mean, the Ravens not only have been winning all season long, but they've been kicking the shit out of all their opponents. I mean, they, they've been winning by double digits in uh, the majority of their games throughout the regular season. And last week, they shook off the cobwebs in the beginning of their game and really never looked back. Um, So I'm looking at the Baltimore Ravens uh, to win this one. I feel like their defense is going to step it up. I feel like the Chiefs' um, uh, mistakes are going to be magnified in this game, and that's just not going to be a a good recipe 
uh, for them in this one. And I do have the Ravens moving on 31 to 21. I think it will be close to start, uh, but then they're just, as the game wears on, I feel like the, uh, the Ravens' uh, ground attack is really going to start taking time off the clock. They're going to dominate the time of possession. And so I do have the Ravens winning this one 31-21. Now turning over to the NFC Conference Championship game, we have the Detroit Lions at the San Francisco 49ers. Right now the Niners are a seven-point favorite. Um, and I just look at Detroit, and I actually think Detroit matches up very well against the Niners. They have just as much talent on the offensive side of the ball. It's just the Niners have proven a lot more with their talent. But, uh, I mean, the Lions, you know, they've got Amon Ross St. Brown at wide receiver who's having a phenomenal year. Their ground attack is e- excellent with David Montgomery and uh, Jameer Gibbs. And then you've got Jared Goff who's just had pretty much – an excellent season other than the turnovers, but for the most part, this guy has held it down. And then defensively, they've just really made it difficult for uh, quarterbacks to really get going. And that's showed in the playoffs so far. So the Detroit Lions really haven't shown that they're going to fall apart just yet. The Niners, they had a terrible game last week, but I don't expect them to have two terrible weeks in a row. I do think this is going to be a good game. I think it's going to be um, a very defensive game to start, but then both offenses will start to get going. And I kind of, I wouldn't be shocked at any point in this game if we kind of see a shootout between Goff and uh, Brock Purdy on the offensive side of the ball for the Niners. So I just kind of feel like uh, we're going to see some really good plays from some really good teams. Uh, but just, I believe in the Niners more than I believe in the Lions. I Like I said, I feel like the Lions, they match up well, but I just kind of see they've reached their ceiling, whereas the Niners, um, now if Debo Samuel doesn't play, that's a very up-in-the-air thing right now. I think that will affect the Niners because they don't usually play well without Debo. But at the end of the day, I feel like the Niners just have too much talent for the Detroit Lions to stop. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if the Niners defense really steps it up and forces Goff into a turnover or two at the end of the game where it may just end up costing them. Um, I do think it's going to be a close game, but I've got the Niners winning this one 28-24. I just think they're too, too talented, and I think the Lions, while they're a good team, I don't think they are a championship-level team just yet. But who knows? They could prove me wrong. I would not be surprised if the Lions win uh, because the Lions' defense is really good. And if they play as well as the Packers did against the Niners Niners last week um, and just actually hold on to the game and not choke, then the Lions got a good shot at winning this. I feel like if the Lions get out to a lead, they're not going to blow it like the Packers did last week. But I just don't see the Niners having two duds in a row. Um, especially in the playoffs. So I do have the Niners winning a close one, 28-24. to 24. Uh, And then in some other football news, we had some more coaches get hired this week. Uh, the Tennessee Titans ended up hiring uh, the Cincinnati uh, Bengals offensive coordinator, Brian Callahan. Uh, then the Chargers uh, hired Jim Harbaugh, so he is now back in the NFL. Uh, then the Carolina Panthers hired uh, Dave, Dave Canales, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive coordinator, and then the Atlanta Falcons hired Raheem Morris, the Los Angeles Rams defensive coordinator. So uh, lots of jobs are getting filled in the NFL, and uh, that's it's crazy that we're already talking about offseason shit uh, while we still have the playoffs going on, but that is the way it goes. Moving on to the NBA, we had some uh, pretty crazy things go on this week. Not only just some crazy games, but some... Crazy news as well. So let's get to Monday. We had us, 
You know, that was uh, Kobe Bryant day, the, the, the anniversary of him scoring 81 points in a game against the Toronto Raptors. Um, well, we had a couple of dudes go off on Monday night just to, uh, to, uh, show some pride to Kobe Bryant. Now they didn't get to the 81 point mark, but, uh, Joel Embiid came pretty goddamn close. So the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, played against the San Antonio Spurs, got the win 133 to 123. But the big story was Joel Embiid went off for 70 points. Career high for him. It is also a Philadelphia 76ers franchise record as well. And he had 55 points, I believe, in like the second quarter. It, it was something crazy where he just had, he just went off and he just could, could not be stopped. He also had 18 rebounds, five assists, and it was a huge, huge game for him. Uh, 70 points. And as I keep saying, you know, Embiid's been that dude all season long, and 70 points right there says it all. Then, in, unfortunately, in a loss, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves' Carl Anthony Towns went off for 62 points and 8 rebounds, but unfortunately it was in a loss against the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, they lost 128 to 125. It was pretty uh, pretty close and crazy there in the, um, <clears throat> in the, the last two minutes of the game, uh, but uh, just unfortunately for the uh, Timberwolves, they just weren't able to uh, get the win. But Cat did have the big game with 62 points, and, uh, you know, the Timberwolves, even though that it was a loss, they just continue to uh, dominate and get better as the season goes on. Uh, then on Tuesday, um, sorry, my, uh, my dog has uh, pneumonia, so uh, that coughing in the background is him. I'm going to go ahead and pause this because I know it sounds very annoying, so I'll be back here in a sec. All right, sorry about that, guys. Uh, yeah, like I said... Uh, my dog's got pneumonia, and uh, he has these coughing fits that just are horrible to listen to, and uh, it's not good for a radio show so uh, or podcast, so I might, uh, I, I might have to continue to pause because those stupid coughs come and go, and that's just uh, nobody wants to hear that shit while I'm talking. But anyways, let's get back to the NBA and the week that was. On Tuesday, we had us a big trade uh, for, uh, uh, from the uh, New Orleans Hornets, or New Orleans Hornets, Jesus Christ, the Charlotte Hornets, <laughs> they used to be, <laughs> anyways, if you, if you know, you know, you're an NBA fan, you know what the hell I just did. Anyways, uh, the New Orleans, or the New Orleans Hornets, the Charlotte Hornets traded Terry Rozier to uh, the Miami Heat, which was a, a real, I think it's a good move. Uh, Rozier has pretty much just been wasting away uh, with Charlotte right now. So uh, good for him. He's going to Miami and should uh, add a little bit of offense to, uh, to this team. Um, not that they really needed it. They've been playing really well so far, but I think he's just going to add into what, uh, what they've already got going on there. And then the big news broke on Tuesday. The Milwaukee Bucks ended up firing their first year coach, Adrian Griffin. He didn't, they didn't even let him get the, through the year. And at the, at the time, the Bucks record was 30 and 13. They're one of the top Top teams in the league, but uh, obviously things weren't going well there. I mean, you don't usually fire a coach for no reason. Um, so who, we don't know what happened, but uh, whatever happened, it got the dude fired. And then uh, the next day, the uh, Bucks went ahead and uh, hired Doc Rivers as their coach. So um, I think that's a good move uh, because I, I was kind of shocked that Doc Rivers didn't get a coaching job last year. As a matter of fact, I was sh more shocked that he got let go from the Philadelphia 76ers. But 
uh, that that's neither here nor there. But now he is he has been hired by the Milwaukee Bucks, which I think it's a good thing. Uh, you know, Giannis is starting to um, reach his peak in his career, and uh, this team really, I guess, maybe needs a new voice there. And they, they are a good team, so. Uh, Doc Rivers is a good coach, so, um, I mean, it's just weird that uh, a really good team ended up firing their coach in the middle of the season, so, uh, but that was, uh, that was weird, and uh, we'll see what Doc Rivers has to offer to the Milwaukee Bucks, and we'll see if that uh, changes their season around or makes things a little bit uh, better for them, because they have been having issues with defense, but I don't know if Doc Rivers coming in midway through the season is really going to change any uh, defensive issues that they may have. I mean, that would... That was kind of the deal when you traded away uh, Drew Holiday. Uh, you let you, you let him go, and uh, you, you sign you, you take you get Damian Lillard, who's just an offensive guy. I'm sorry, your defense was going to be uh, it was going to suffer one way or the other. So we'll see what Doc Rivers has has to give to the Bucks. I mean, he's a good coach. Bucks are a good team. I don't really see them falling off of the face of the planet, if anything. Then on Tuesday. The New Orleans Pelicans scored a franchise record 153 points in a win over the Utah Jazz, 153 to 124. CJ McCollum had a huge night with 33 points. And then Zion Williamson had another great night. He had a double-double with 17 points and 11 assists. And uh, the New Orleans Pelicans, they keep looking more and more for real. This, this team has managed to stay healthy this season. Zion seems to be getting better as the season rolls on. So we'll see what the Pelicans have to offer. But uh, right now they're looking pretty goddamn good. And that's a, a lot of points because that's not real. You know, offensively they're doing really well. But it's really been all about their defense and their ownage in the paint as what has been their edge all season in most of their wins. But uh, scoring a franchise record 153 points, that's a big deal too. Uh, then last night, we had us a few good games as well. Um, the New York Knicks smashed the Denver Nuggets 122-84 to to uh, continue their winning streak. They're on a five-game winning streak right now. As a matter of fact, the New York Knicks are a pretty goddamn good team this year. Now, we'll have to see where they are come playoff time because that's kind of always the thing with the Knicks. But right now, they are dominating. Um, OG Ananubi, he had 26 points, and he has fit in real well with this Knicks team. And then Jalen Brunson. He is having a phenomenal year. He added in 21 points as well. I mean, he's had some games where he's just straight up taken over. This New York Knicks team, they look for real in the regular season. But like I said, it's going to matter in the uh, the postseason is where we're going to have to see if they're for real or not. But smashing the Denver Nuggets, the defending champions, and um, Jokic even had a good night. He had a double-double last night. He had 31 points and I believe 11 uh, 11 rebounds, something like that. So he did have a double-double. He had a fantastic night. It was just this Knicks defense, is it's suffocating. And uh, if they just keep this up, they're going to be something to fuck with. But I, we'll see. We'll see. With the Knicks, you can't ever buy into them until they let us, they actually sell us something that we want to buy. And then uh, we had the Indiana Pacers rock the Philadelphia 76ers world last night. They won 134-122. to 122. And uh, Pascal Siakam, the guy they just traded for, he had a triple-double, 26 points, 13 rebounds, and 10 assists. Uh, they didn't have Tyrese Halliburton. He's been out with a little bit of an injury here. Uh, but Siakam has stepped right in and uh, looks like he's going to be the perfect fit with the Indiana Pacers and proved it last night. Uh, then moving on to uh, baseball, we had some Hall of Famers elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame this week, uh, beginning with uh, third baseman Adrian Beltre, uh, most known for 
with the Texas Rangers, but he uh, he he moved around to a couple of different teams. Um, he is only one of twelve players to have three thousand hits and four hundred home runs. So that's really what uh, he's. This is his first year on the ballot as well. So he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Those numbers right there. That's what gets you in uh, first ballot. Then we had uh, Todd Helton, the uh, first baseman of the Colorado Rockies. He's actually only the second Colorado Rocky inducted into the Hall of Fame. This is his sixth year on the ballot. Um, He was just a very, very um, consistent hitter. Uh, He he batted a career 316, um, and he just just was one—he was just solid. That's just all there is to it. He was all reliable. You knew what you were getting from Helton, and uh, he just was a—he was a bright spot for the Rockies in uh, a lot of. Uh, and the Rockies just have never really been a good team. They've had their good moments, but for the most part, they've been a bottom of the barrel team. And Todd Helton was just always a shining star for them. And like I said, only the second Colorado Rocky elected in the Hall of Fame. And then uh, the third member of the Hall of Fame this year, we have Joe Maurer, uh, one of the greatest catchers of all time, hands down. Um, catchers have, on, uh, have only seven times won the batting title um, in baseball, and uh, Joe Maurer won three of them. So that tells you a lot about him. He also won three gold gloves in his career and was a 2009 AL MVP. So Joe Maurer, also a first ballot Hall of Famer. And uh, just, uh, I I think all three guys absolutely deserve to be in there. And uh, congratulations to them because we all know I have major issues with the the baseball writers of America and the way they uh, elect guys into the Hall of Fame. But all three of these guys are deserving. And uh, congratulations to all three of them. All right. And uh, moving on to the uh, Trop 5 this week. Uh, So since today is uh, January 26th, it is unfortunately the uh, four-year anniversary of the death of Kobe Bryant. Uh, still, still kind of unbelievable, you know. Even though it happened uh, four years ago, but uh, it did. And since he is my favorite basketball player of all time, I always like to play pay homage to him. And uh, today's top five list is going to be the top five Kobe Bryant game winners, uh, because you know I've already done like twenty-five different lists of Kobe Bryant of or moments throughout his career. And uh, so I decided to go ahead and go with uh, the game winners of his career. Um, one of the reasons that I wanted to do this this list, of course, is not only because I'm a huge Kobe Bryant fan, but uh, just one of the great things about him were just some of the game winners that he had. It was actually really difficult to whittle it down to five uh, because there were so many throughout his career. But I believe these are the uh, the five best Kobe Bryant game winners, if you will. But there are uh, endless lists of them. And there's so many to think of throughout his career, but a couple of these they they were right off the bat uh, at the forefront of my my memory just because I totally remember them just like they were yesterday. So let's go ahead and uh, start off with uh, number five on my top five Kobe Bryant game winners uh, back in uh, 2002 Western Conference Finals Game Four versus the San Antonio Spurs. There were 20 seconds, 27 seconds left on the clock. They were tied up at 85. The Lakers get the uh, inbound. Uh, Kobe has the ball. He's dribbling. He's dribbling. Uh, Then he starts to drive the lane and actually loses the ball. Uh, Then I believe it was Derek Fisher who ends up grabbing the ball, getting it back to Kobe, and then Kobe uh, gets the game-winning jumper in the paint 
right over David Robinson. So uh, not only was that just an awesome game winner, it mattered. It was, of course, in the Western Conference Finals, but it was over the great David Robinson, who was a center, and Kobe was a shooting guard. So um, you could just tell, when when a shooting guard is able to get in over a center, that's some ownage right there. And uh, so not only was it a big, great game winner from Kobe, but the level of difficulty must have been insane. And then, of course, it was in, an, in a game that mattered um, in the Western Conference Finals. Then moving on to uh, number four on my top five Kobe Bryant game winners of all time. January 31st of 2010 against the Boston Celtics in Boston is a regular season game. The Lakers were actually down by 11 points at one time. Uh, but they were able to uh, um, drive uh, drive back, tie everything up. There's 11.5 seconds left on the clock, and uh, Kobe gets the uh, the fadeaway right over over Ray Allen, and that's just another. It it not only was it an amazing game winning shot, but it was over the great Ray Allen, who usually is the one who's hitting the game winning shots that matter the most. And then of course this was just a big deal because um, you know we're coming off of. Um, we lost to the the Celtics in the uh, in the finals, and so this was uh, this was a nice little revenge. And it was during the regular season, and ultimately we would actually beat the Celtics this season in the uh, in the finals. But this was a regular season game, and I just I just remember uh, watching Kobe just drive down the lane, then boom, right over Ray Allen's ass in Boston, um, and uh, yeah, just an excellent excellent game winning shot from Kobe Bryant. Then at number three on my top five Kobe Bryant game winners, we have December 4th of 2009 versus the Miami Heat. I kind of feel like if you are a Lakers fan, we all remember this one. As a matter of fact, it was really difficult not to put this at number one, but the two above it are, are a little bit more memorable and um, just they actually mattered more as well. But this one is one for the ages. It's most certainly a Kobe Bryant game winner that we all remember, especially if you're a Lakers fan. But there are 3.2 seconds left on the clock. Kobe gets the inbound. He's right above the key. Shoots up the three right over Dwayne Wade. And boom! Knocks it down. Get the win. Lakers walk home with, or well, they were already at home, but Lakers get the win. And we really needed that win because it was really the first time we had beat the Miami Heat since we traded Shaq to the Heat. Um, I, I actually don't believe Shaq played for this team. He might have played for this Miami Heat team, but uh, basically since we traded Shaq to Miami, Miami owned us, including D. Wade. So this was a big game just for Kobe to just stick it to him finally. But man, when you see this one, just the level of difficulty, just the type of shot he takes. And then, of course, it's over D. Wade in his prime, by the way. Um, and uh, Kobe knocked it down for the game winner, of course. Uh, then at number two on my top five Kobe Bryant game winners, uh, the 2006 first round playoffs versus the Phoenix Suns. This was a crazy series because, unfortunately, at one point in this series, the Lakers were up three to one. And we would ultimately uh, lose all the next games and the Phoenix Suns would win this series and move on. So unfortunately, this is a bittersweet game. Um, I got I got I did get it wrong because I, I did bring this um, this game winner up in the last episode. And I was thinking of a different time that they faced off against the uh, the Suns in the playoffs. This one, we actually had a really good shot at winning this this series and moving on. But uh, unfortunately, we did not. But 
in uh, in this particular game, um, Smush Parker steals an inbound from Steve Nash. That's how that's how crazy this game went into overtime because this is not overtime yet. We are in the fourth quarter. Game's about to end. Steve Nash is just all reliable. This is a two-time MVP we're talking about. And uh, this is Steve Nash's prime as well. So this guy, he's known for just taking the inbound and running the clock out. Well, not this time. Smush Parker was able to get the uh, steal on the inbound from Nash. And then uh, Kobe would ultimately end up with the ball and uh, tie the game up and then send it into overtime. Then in overtime, with five seconds left on the clock, Kobe Bryant would pull up against Rajah Bell, his old nemesis out there, and boom, knock down the game-winning shot. Now, to me personally, this is my favorite. It's my absolute favorite Kobe Bryant game winner, even though number one, it, it's not ranked number one. Uh, but this this one against the Suns, I just I I think about this shot all the time when I think about Kobe and uh, just the the celebration of it as well. It was awesome, and we had such a rivalry rivalry with the Suns at the time as well. Him and Raja Bell hated each other, and they just would go at it every single game. And to watch him just boop right in front of Raja Bell's dumbass face and walk right off but like I said unfortunately the Lakers would go up three to one in this series in that game and then the next thing they would do is lose the next four games and send their asses straight home now the number one game winning shot on my top five Kobe Bryant game winners is April 14th of 2004 versus the Portland Trailblazers um one thing about this this is another one where uh he would get the uh the uh, the game tying uh, three pointer to overtime and the level of difficulty. This is why I picked this one as number one. Not only because he he sent it to overtime with a game tying shot, but then he got the game winner in um, double overtime. By the way, but the level of difficulty it was for him on this three point shot to send it into overtime is nuts. You have to watch it to see it. But basically, his back is turned. He just has to toss up a fucking prayer and he makes it. Ties shit up, sends it into double overtime, and then in double overtime with one second left on the clock. Gary Payton, this was when Gary Payton was a Los Angeles Laker, inbounds it right to Kobe Bryant, and he just knocks up the three-pointer. Once again, level of difficulty on this one is great as well. And boom, he would hit the game winner. And what mattered most about this game winner is it would help them win the division, um, and they would go on to the NBA Finals and lose to the Detroit Pistons. So that was very bittersweet, but the level of difficulty on both of those, uh, the the game tire to send it into overtime and then the game winner and double overtime is what put it above the Phoenix Suns one for me because the Phoenix Suns one is really just just a personal favorite. It's just a, a one of my favorite Kobe Bryant memories. And so... I, I really wanted to put that number one, but when I rewatched a bunch of these, I was like, I gotta put this Trailblazers one. I mean, the level of difficulty, the time remaining on the clock, and then just ultimately they would move on and win the division and then move on to the NBA Finals. So it felt like it mattered a little bit more, but uh, yeah, it's crazy. Four years ago, we lost Kobe Bryant. Um, Always a, a sad day in history, but he gave us some of the greatest basketball memories of all time, especially me. 
my favorite basketball player ever. And uh, man, the game to me has not been the same since he and Tim Duncan retired. And uh, damn, we miss you, Kobe. Wish you were uh, wish you were on the in in the uh, the crowd at some of these Lakers games. Although we ain't making you proud this year, that's for goddamn sure. But who the fuck cares? It's uh, it's basketball, and uh, it is what it is. But uh, R.I.P. Kobe Bryant, and thank you for all the great memories you provided us as a Los Angeles Laker throughout your uh, throughout your playing time. On that note, y'all enjoy this amazing weekend of playoff football and uh, basketball and uh, just enjoy all the sports and I will talk to you fools on Monday.